0: Research tells us roughly one in 20 teenagers in the United States suffers from clinical depression. The problem is most have not been diagnosed and are therefore not receiving treatment. In a recent report, the US Preventive Services Task Force issued a recommendation for the routine screening of all adolescents in the primary care setting, even if they don't show signs of depression. Is this recommendation practical? And can our health care system accommodate the likely increase in teens who would require mental health treatment? You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Hsu, practicing general pediatrician and author. Our guest is Dr. Barry Sarvet. Chief of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at Bay State Medical Center in Springfield, Massachusetts, and an Associate Clinical Professor of Psychiatry at Tufts University School of Medicine. Welcome, Dr. Sarvet.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Now, let's start off by talking about how common depression is, both in adults and teenagers.
1: Well, as you said, that the 1 in 20 number is pretty reasonable. There are different studies that have been done, but it appears that the prevalence of depression for adolescents is between 5 and 6% at any given time. I'd also remind people that suicide, which is one of the most concerning outcomes of untreated depression, is the third leading cause of death for the 15 to 24 age group.
0: Do you have an estimate of how many depressed teens we are currently missing with our current screening strategies?
1: Well, it's been looked at in the past several years and it turns out that pediatricians thought that they were pretty good At just informally being able to tell if if teenagers were depressed, but it turns out that that's not really true and that they're missing about four out of five of them without doing some kind of systematic screening, such as giving a questionnaire and, and, and getting some answers to specific questions. So if they just look at the teenager and kind of ask the usual kinds of health maintenance questions they're not picking it up. If they have a systematic procedure of asking specific screening questions, then they're much better at it.
0: So you mentioned suicide as being an important thing that we, we could maybe prevent by picking up some depressed teens. Why else is it important to screen teens for depression, even if they don't have any symptoms?
1: Well, it's just important to remind, I think, our listeners that depression is a, is a terrible disease. It often starts in adolescence, and it has lifelong consequences. People who work with teenagers who are depressed see how it, it really wreaks havoc in their lives and the lives of their families. The teenagers are having very poor school performance, and they start using drugs. Sometimes there's acting out behaviors and delinquency. And the course of development just goes downhill and, and you have someone who's on track to really kind of start their lives and come of age. And then everything starts falling apart and it begins this slide, which is just terrible. So between suffering of the kids themselves and their families and then the outcomes, educational failure, occupational failure, drug abuse, delinquency, it just kind of wrecks people's lives. In terms of hard data, you know, there have been several studies that, which have shown that adolescents with depression go on to have much higher health care costs, which I think is of interest these days in terms of the the need to contain the growth of health care costs. In my view, that's not the most important reason to treat people with depression early, but it certainly convincing to, to some, and, and it is important from a, an overall healthcare systems point of view. and then medical consequences of secondary diseases because people with depression aren't taking good care of themselves and are much more at risk for developing all kinds of chronic illnesses. So there's many reasons to believe that early treatment of depression is a good thing and can really help people out.:
0: Are there some risk factors that we might find in the teens who are diagnosed to be depressed?
1: Well, the recommendations of that task force is for a general screening for all adolescents, but many people believe that it's also helpful to really identify kids at risk for depression, just screen those. But in this case, we've really agreed that it makes sense to do a universal screening of depression because of the fact that the prevalence is so high. But in any case, for people who are really interested in trying to pick out those kids who are at most risk for depression, certainly genetic history of depression in first and second degree relatives is a risk factor. People who've had psychosocial distress in terms of different kinds of experiences in their lives that have been representing major losses, different kinds of tragedies, grief reactions, trauma, So all kinds of adverse life experiences leave people more at risk for depression as well as histories of family members who've been depressed. It's beyond just a genetic relationship, but parental depression is thought to have an extremely strong influence of increasing the risk of depression and other mental health problems in kids, not only because of genetic reasons, but also because of the impact of the depression on the interactions between the parents and the kids.
0: Now, what kind of screening tool is recommended to try to pick up depression in our team patients?
1: Well, the two tools that were recommended by the recent task force are the Beck Depression Inventory as well as the PHQA, which is the patient health questionnaire. Both of these are very brief instruments and they seem to have just a couple of characteristics which uh, make them very reasonable for universal screening. They're, they're brief, they're very easy to administer, they're very easy to score and then the sensitivity and specificity is, is pretty good. It appears that the PHQ has about a 73 or 4 percent sensitivity and the specificity is over 90 percent.
0: If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable from ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Jennifer Shu. Our guest is Dr. Barry Sarvet, Chief of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at Bay State Medical Center in Springfield, Massachusetts. We're discussing depression screening in teenagers. So d- is the screening tool filled out by the teenager, or is the parent somehow involved?
1: For teens, we find that the best way to screen is to ask them the questions themselves, that there are other conditions where it's better to ask the parents, and often it's, it's very helpful to ask both. And In fact, that's the best thing to do always, but for the so-called internalizing disorders. in, In psychiatry, we talk about externalizing disorders, which involve mostly behavior problems or things that the child is doing in the environment. And then the internalizing disorders, such as depression, are where a person is suffering inside. They may have behavior problems or things that other people can observe, but the essence of the condition is really the subjective experience. And so for depression, We find that the data suggests that the yield is is much better if we ask the direct questions to the adolescents in a private way and for them to put the answers to the questions down on paper. Interestingly enough, even though it's easier to give someone a piece of paper and have them fill it out than to have an interview, oftentimes kids are more comfortable answering questions on a piece of paper than telling someone in a face-to-face interview. So the use of a handout and having the, the teenager be able to fill it out in a private place where no one's looking over their shoulder, they're more likely to give the answers to the questions honestly. But I think that that approach needs to be combined with talking to the parent and also with a face-to-face discussion we wouldn't want to rely solely on just mechanical, kind of giving someone a piece of paper and having them hand it in in a bureaucratic way, and that's an important implementation issue, which isn't necessarily addressed in the recommendations, but from the standpoint of implementing screening, the practices really need to ensure that this is not a bureaucratic process, because the worst thing that could happen is you hand a screening instrument, a teenager uh, answers very sensitive questions in, a, in an earnest way. And then nothing's done about it. It's it's kind of put into a chart and someone forgets to look at it. And then you've uh, opened up a can of worms and you're not doing anything about it.
0: What has your response been from primary care physicians regarding the need for this universal screening of teenagers in the primary care setting?
1: yeah I talk to a lot of pediatricians and primary care providers about screening, and this has been a there it's a long time coming there's There's a long history of discussion about screening and the pediatricians they understand many of them understand that screening is is needed in order to be able to identify kids with depression effectively, and they really wanna be able to help these kids. The concerns are that if they don't have access to resources to get treatment for the kids, then it leaves them in a situation where they're very helpless and they feel that they're not really doing a good service to the kids in their practice. So there is a little bit of ambivalence about identifying something that they don't know can necessarily be treated. Now, the task force report made it clear and reviewed the information that treatment is effective. So we wouldn't necessarily want to be screening kids for depression if we didn't know that there was an effective treatment. So there is an effective treatment, but the problem is that there are persistent access problems in terms of access to care for specialized child psychiatry services and services for mental health for kids. And so that's going to be a major implementation challenge is to continue to work on improving access to care. In Massachusetts, we're lucky enough to have funding from our state for a program called the Massachusetts Child Psychiatry Access Project, and that program actually provides pediatricians with access to consultation from a child psychiatrist in a matter of minutes. So whenever a pediatrician identifies a mental health problem, if they need some help, With managing it, they can call one of our teams and we call them back and discuss the case with them and help coordinate resources to get services for kids. And that makes a big difference, and we feel that that kind of program can allow the screening to be much more successful because there is a behavioral process in which pediatricians, even if there's a recommendation to do something, that if their experience of doing something leads them to become frustrated and helpless by not being able to follow through, then they're going to probably stop doing that because it's just not satisfying and doesn't feel successful. So we really have to look in terms of trying to implement these recommendations. We have to look at a number of these kinds of systems issues, which include addressing access to care issues with Programs that that can improve the effectiveness of pediatricians at handling depression. I'd like to add that pediatricians can treat depression. That that it's not something that always needs to be referred to a child psychiatrist and a specialist. But in order to be able to treat depression, you know, along with working with psychotherapists who are reasonably abundant in most communities, there needs to be some collaborative relationship between child psychiatrists and pediatricians so that there is an ability to troubleshoot and to advise pediatricians about what to do if the treatment does not work smoothly. And so that's kind of the beauty of the program that we have in Massachusetts is it allows pediatricians to be able to have a hand in beginning the treatment for depression because there's no question that there are not enough child psychiatrists to treat 5% of the entire population of adolescents who we know are walking around with depression. So we have to have a collaborative approach, and we have to be able to utilize the primary care workforce to have a hand in it.
0: What about the logistics of screening and counseling our patients in the primary care setting? Is there a system in place to obtain reimbursement for the screening that we're going to be doing?
1: Well, there's not a system, and there are barriers to the reimbursement for pediatricians for doing mental health work and barriers to collaboration. There was in the same issue of the journal of Pediatrics, there was a paper that I was involved in preparing. That was special report of two task forces from both the American Academy of Pediatrics and the American Academy of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. And this report talked about some of the financial and administrative barriers to practicing collaborative care and to having mental health services be provided in the primary care setting. There are coding problems, there are insurance reimbursement problems, and the bottom line is that most At the time, pediatricians can be reimbursed for doing the work in the primary care setting, but the reimbursement is often inadequate and it doesn't fully account for the complexity of the work, and it certainly doesn't account for the need for doing collateral kinds of communications with other providers, which is necessary. So that report was published, and there is an implementation group that's getting started to try to work on reforming some of the payment systems so that pediatricians can be more adequately reimbursed for doing this work.
0: I'd like to thank our guest, Dr. Barry Sarvette. We've been discussing depression screening in teenagers. I'm Dr. Jennifer Shu. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on air please visit us at reachmd.com and thank you for listening.